0: The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. This episode
1: is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.
0: We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa is for educational purposes only and is not intended to provide a physician-patient relationship. Give diagnoses, prescribe treatment, or do psychotherapy. Please contact your healthcare provider to obtain treatment. Discover your body's natural ability to heal. Welcome to Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa. Have you ever suffered from that health problem that kept going on and on and on. Have you ever had a relationship that went up in smoke and then another one went up in smoke and it just felt that things were always falling apart. We're going to discuss how to stay sane when things are falling apart. In today's world, people are always going to therapists, calling radio show hosts, going online to try to find out how they can handle this relationship. What are they gonna do about this political mess? What are we gonna do about this stuff going on in the world? The hurricanes, the tornadoes, the fires, on and on and on and on. Everybody's an empath. We don't want to watch the news, but yet we're empathic. How can we we can still feel people's pain even if we don't watch it on social media? If your life isn't falling apart, someone else's and so how do we stay? We're taking your calls 816-251-3555 within the U.S. and Canada. And remember unityonlineradio.org is live, live every Wednesday, 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. East Coast time. You can get the show on your favorite podcast provider, as well as join the live show with a question every Wednesday, 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern. How am I going to teach you how to be sane when the world, your world, or someone else's is falling apart? You may not want to watch the news. The people are being hospitalized, scared of losing their houses, afraid of losing their health, their loved ones, the finances, people losing their safety in their homes, and so on and so on the water, the streams, the mountains, the ice caps, everyone seems to be falling apart. A global epidemic of the falling apart syndrome. Many of us have to face this, this uncertainty, maybe a sense of an inevitable hopelessness, a sense of failure, Maybe we want to escape, run away, just leave the situation that you're in. Just leave. Pack up and leave and move to a new life, a new environment, a new a new place. Just a place, ripe with possibilities, a new future, a wide open situation, at least away from this bleakness. Let me give you a way to see this escape and how it, just facing it this way, will help you see how to stay sane when things are falling apart now. Recently, when I faced what's seemingly insurmountable problem. I had to consider up and leaving. Everything seemed to be falling apart and I want you to consider the exercise that I have to do. Consider that you are leaving, say in a week, leaving your house, your home, your apartment, your room, tent, yurt, whatever. So you leave it. You leave it all behind someone. And you leave them instructions. Write some instructions. Like you're leaving all this crisis behind. You're getting up and going to a new life. Write a list. Who gets what? Who gets your cats, your dog, your fish? Really, you can't take them away to the yurt, you know. And for God's sakes, would they ever want to go? Cats bond to the land more than they bond to you, they say. Chances are, where you want to go up and leave, you can't take much with you. So, you got to leave it behind. When you travel in a catastrophe, leaving things behind, when things are falling apart, make a list on who you're going to leave your stuff to. The bank accounts, the credit cards, the SEP IRA, if you have them. Where's this stuff going to? And don't tell me this is ridiculous. It isn't. Many places you'll go to to escape. Truly escape. Maybe off the grid. Be detailed with that friend. Name the friend who you're bequeathing it to. How about the mortgage, the rents, the bills, the insurance? Detail it. I'm telling you, this is the road to sanity. Honest to God, I did this took me four hours, but I snapped out of it. And while you're doing this, identifying how you're gonna leave your friend with the mortgage, the rent, the bills, the insurance. How are you feeling about leaving all those responsibilities to someone close to you? How do you feel about that? Then of course, there are the phone calls you want them to make, or you're gonna to have to make before you leave. You will need to call as many people you can and tell them you're leaving. Friends, family. Put the most important people you love most or like most on the top of the list, and the people you really don't like, leave them for your friend to call. How does that feel? Or don't call them at all. And think about what it will be like for them that they find out. Oh, she just up and left, or he just up and left. Because you know, of course, it's going to be make you upset in essence in essence say goodbye you then have to itemize your communications cars VIN numbers passwords and everything so your friend can access your stuff Instagram Facebook Twitter you're gonna have to put announcements on that too because you know they'll go well what happened to her she get picked up by a UFO you gotta make an announcement and you're like, I'm not going to make an announcement. Yeah, you are. You want to maintain your sanity and look sane. You're going to have to. Otherwise, it makes like look like you lost it. And people will say, oh, she went, she lost it, and she took off. So before you kick civilized life underneath the bus and go off the grid, say goodbye formally. And, by the way, your closest friends will begin to worry. They'll think you're suicidal or think, you know, you're going to die. Not necessarily. Just tell them you feel like, you know, things are getting too much, things are falling to pieces, and that every year there's several mothers that just have had enough, enough of the washing, of the clothes, that same pair of underwear over and over again, or that same fork that people tend to leave on the counter, on the sink over and over again, or they're sick and tired of picking up those same dirty socks on the floor. So they just take off and go on strike. They leave because they are tired of all these pieces falling apart and everyone expecting them to put them back together again. And eventually people straighten up and they return. And then finally, you leave instructions for your friend and how to take care of what you've left behind. The garden needs to be watered every once in a while because, you know, those plants should work harder on them. And then the grass needs to be mowed because, you know, you worked harder on that grass too. And the floors need to be washed just like this with that spe- specific mop and cleaner. You begin to see that the flow of life continues ever so perceptively like a, beat, like a beating heart or inflating lungs They continue to breathe in and out. Life continues ever so subtly beneath the chaos of things falling apart. Between your sense of losing grip, you begin to sense that you've been holding it together all along by these little things that you do daily. The washing of the floors, the grass, the flowers, the, the feeding of the cats. This is how life continues ever so subtly, like a beating heart or inflating lungs. You just never noticed it. Somehow we become so invested in the pieces that are falling apart, we just don't see the ones that are staying together or the ones we are holding together. Are you still choosing to leave it? Hmm. Yet the powerlessness, the hopelessness of the pain you're feeling in your body, perhaps that cancer diagnosis or that bankruptcy that's bearing down on you, or the, even the divorce. In the midst of your current challenge, it's still there. But you see that life is still going on. Do you want it to go on without you? Open the windows, turn off anything that makes a noise like the TV or the dehumidifier and listen, listen. The birds are singing the cars are honking, kids are laughing, cats are meowing, dogs are barking. Even a lawnmower or a weed whacker that would have put you over the edge before is there. Life is going on and you have been missing it because your windows to your mind were closed because you are focusing on the pieces in your life falling apart. The birds, the kids, they're going on just like your heart is beating and your lungs are going in and out, because you are focusing on the miserable and the painful. And rightfully so, it's miserable and painful. Trust me, I know. However, faced with leaving in seven days, somehow we hear, and we crave to hear now, as the days before we leave, the birds, the kids, the cars. We want to hear those pieces of life that aren't falling apart. And finally, how do you leave? How do you leave your home? In what condition do you leave it? Finally, all behind to stay sane when things are falling apart? Do you put all the dishes away? Is the bed made? Do you put all your dirty clothes, get them washed before you leave? Someone, some of someone your friends are going to have to pick up that mess. Is this worth it to leave behind a crisis to maintain your sanity? Knowing that someone is going to go have to pick up that mess, isn't there some more graceful way? So, wherever you are, getting your pieces together, feeling more sane, you got the sense that someone else is cleaning up after you. That's not going to make you feel so much more saneful. Then go down to some room as you're getting your week together, getting ready to leave, leave it all behind, get sane, pull yourself together. Look at the diplomas, the books you pulled, created, the journals you've filled, photos, frames of friends, places you traveled. Somehow, you kept it together. Had life, lived, more or less sane in the midst of crises, problems, things falling apart and coming back together. There were problems with your health, relationships, money, and they'll be now the same. You kept it together then, and maybe you keep it together now. Maybe. Now, it may be even easier, even though, though it doesn't feel like it. Maybe you'll now be able to do it even better because you're supposed to be older and wiser. Even though you're tired, I know you're tired. You're supposed to be wiser and less likely to make the same mistakes over and over again. Maybe you'll even know how to get support. Look around. Did you hear the life? Do you still really want to leave? Are you sure you want to leave all of this life you've created behind? That you've worked so hard? A life that is granted, has been granted to you. Maybe you don't have to run to get the pieces together to stay sane. Stay strong, stand strong, or sit strong. Focus on the part of life, that subtle pulse underneath those occasional chaotic pieces that fall apart. Underneath is that constant flow of life that will keep you sane. I'm Dr. Mona and we're talking about how to stay sane when things are falling apart. If you wanna know more about the solutions to today's show, You can go to my Facebook, Dr. Mona Lisa, Instagram, Dr. Mona Lisa 1, or Twitter, Dr. Mona Lisa 2. We will go to Amy Line 1. I'm Dr. Mona Lisa. How can I be of help? You are on the air.
1: Hi, Dr. Mona Lisa. Um, I'm nervous now that I'm on the phone with you. So I have a question in regard to sort of what you're talking about. Um, I've ended a relationship in the midst of COVID because we just cannot seem to agree on how to live in these times Um, but I say I ended it but we stay connected and in it though we're living separately and I've just found in the last two years that about every two weeks I just crash and I'm afraid that I'm sick and I'm just exhausted and I sleep for days and it seems like my energy just gets depleted very quickly around other people um and i just don't know like is there something medically wrong with me or is that just a side effect of the
0: kind of craziness of the world today you know i don't know why could be what's going on with me now i'm taken to watching gray's anatomy Mm -hmm. and Probably because I'm like Christina Yang. I was I am an MD-PhD, and I was like that in the surgery program, always reading, reading, very high, intense. But there was one surgery she did where she took a heart out, and she was going to fix it and then put it back into the person, but she couldn't, uh-huh. so she stuck with his heart in the box. So she has to figure out these projects she wants to do, and she's supposed to keep this heart-in-a-box company, keep it alive. heart in the box heart in the box heart-in-a-box. And so the chief comes in, and she says, I'm trying to think of these projects that I want to do. He says, what's the matter with you? You've got something right here in front of you. You've got a heart in the box and that doesn't help you find out what you want to do. And he walks away and he laughs at her. And she thinks he's nuts. Think about it. Heart in the box. Amy, you're 49. You're at a time when the hormones are leaving, going down your frontal lobe, which makes you raw emotionally, spiritually, and intuitively. You no longer can keep your feelings, intuition, and spirituality at bay You're like a raw nerve. You're like a big heart. And now the pandemic has made you a heart in the box. Are you following me? Yeah. Christina Yang's heart had to be kept alive by all these lines. And when you're in the intensive care unit, you have all these lines that keep you alive. I know I was in the ICU for two and a half weeks. We're not gonna talk about it. I actually was on a ventilator. I, for a while, thought I was on a pirate ship. (laughs) So (laughs) much when I was in Arizona, I kept asking the nurses, was Arizona ever underwater? Because I keep seeing pirates. (laughs) They keep looking at me. (laughs) Dr. Schultz? Anywho, I got better. Say the least. When you're shut in like that, in a box, you get disoriented. Whenever we're trapped, it releases cortisol, a stress hormone. We all know this, because it actually can change our our digestive tract and increase our chance to get ulcers. Western medicine knows this because if you're in the intensive care unit, often enough they give you anti-acids because the incidence of getting ulcers is greater and people who are, quote, trapped in the unit. Did you know that? No. Because you are a heart in a box, connected with a lot of lines to keep you alive. But there's more. When you do do that, when you are separated from other people and you are boxed in, i got lots of metaphors, but it's tr- they just happen to be accurate. You get a delirium. You get a delirium, which is a confusional state. It actually alters your brain chemistry. It disrupts your perception of time, date, place, and sense of self. So that's why people feel disoriented. And if you're disoriented, you can imagine your capacity to relate to others. Sometimes it actually exaggerates your tendency. Like when I was in the intensive care unit, I would think a nurse was wonderful, so I'd tell her I I thought she was really smart, so I'd put her through medical school. So all my friends were being asked by the nurses, does she really mean it, she's going to put me through medical school? So your your last personality before COVID will be exaggerated. This isn't COVID. This is a person who is trapped. Do you understand? Yeah. So you can just about relate to yourself, let alone then add somebody else on top, a significant other. Do you get it? Yeah. So this is not a time to make commitments or disintegrate a prior relationship. You have to be careful. If you're moving anything, it makes noise on the radio. So suffice it to say, I don't know what's going on with your significant other, but I wouldn't take it personally and nor should he take it personally with you because your brain chemistry changes and it's not necessarily being sick. It's a confusional state. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, When I look at you, I see that your partner sees things in the world very differently from you. They're, They're a person that doesn't plan, doesn't organize, runs through life like the seat of their pants. And that's not like you. You seem to be much more contained, much more nervous. And this situation has exaggerated that. And so, as a result, you want to be boxed in. You prefer it because it dovetails with your anxiety, where your partner tends to minimize or put out of mind any perceived threat. And those two things seem seemingly way out of whack with each other. However, he neutralizes your anxiety. And you neutralize, under better circumstances, his devil-may-care attitude. What is your partner's personality like?
1: It's actually the opposite. He is frantically afraid and been in isolation since the beginning.
0: So it's just the opposite. Yeah. And you're devil-may-care pushing, throwing sheets to the wind
1: not exactly that no i'm i'm kind of more of a middle ground i just don't live in fear um I just i just feel like i'm being choked by the fear which he says is not fear it's just information but he is obsessively reading and listening and talking about every risk factor in the world
0: this is a time when you have to see that this is just another thing. That yeah. before COVID, there was something else that everybody was terrified of. Yeah. In the 70s and 60s, you know what it was? It was herpes. <laughs> <laughs> you go ahead and laugh like a lunatic. It isn't funny. Everybody was scared of herpes. Did you know that? No. And then, in the eighties, it's not so funny. it was AIDS,
1: yeah, AIDS, yeah,
0: And then in the nineties, it was autism. Are you following me? Yeah, each yeah. one of these things argues toward us cooperating and learning to get along. I look at your head. I don't care what you say, Vicky. I think you're a nervous thing. Hold on one second. (laughs) You say, you are, um, no, I'm Amy, I'm sorry. Yeah, I am a little anxious, but. Oh, no, hold on. I see nervousness. I wonder whether thoughts go around and around and around in your head. I look at your neck. I look at your thyroid. I don't know what kind of oil is going on in your house. If it's patchouli. There's a lot of aromatic kind of stuff going on. We're going to go to break in a second, so I want you to come back.
1: All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back
0: to Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa. Welcome back. Today's show has been dedicated to how to stay sane when things are falling apart. We've learned a variety of ways in which we can feel the pulse of life continuing when things around us feel like they're dying. We'll go back to Amy. Amy, are you there? Well, Amy's on hold. Amy, are you there? I am. I look at your neck. I look at your heart. I look at your left lung, right lung. I can't figure out if you inhale something, you smoke something, you're in an environment where there's smoke. I just see that there's something different about your lung fields. I look at your esophagus, stomach, liver, gallbladder, colon, and rectal areas. I wonder if a woman in your family has had issues with their left chest wall, issues that tend to be estrogen sensitive. I wonder if this person has had mood problems that influence their capacity to be present for young people. I look at your esophagus, stomach, liver, gallbladder, colon, and rectal areas. I see an old red dotted pattern in your cervical, vaginal, urethral area. I can't figure out if this is due to an old virus, whether something was lost, something removed.
1: My uterus was removed.
0: You're not supposed to say anything. Oh. (laughs) Dear God in heaven, you don't look like the type. Because that was where I was going to talk about hormones, but we're not going to even go. I look at the joints in your hands, wrists, elbows, shoulders, hips, knees, and ankles. I wonder if you crave carbohydrates, pasta, rice, bread, or sweets. And I wonder whether your insulin and blood sugar is very different from before You had that cervical, cervical, vaginal, urethral area. It really changed your body shape. I wonder whether that increased your chance toward nervousness, fatigue, dragginess, and a change in your sleep-wakefulness cycle. Can you please tell me your health concerns?
1: Uh, just that exactly what you just said at the end there. Like, I just have a dragging about me. I just, I feel like I, I do way more. I've gained weight. Okay. Tell me what this. happened with your
0: uterus. What happened? I, I
1: was bleeding a lot and I have a history of uterine cancer and I'd gotten, um, early stages of cervical cancer. Okay.
0: Wait a minute. Today. Wait a minute. How long's Okay. The cerv- Let's start with cervix. Cause I saw okay. a red dotted pattern in the cervix vagina area. And I wondered if there was a problem with a virus. How old were you when you had the cervical thing?
1: Uh, The first time, I had it a couple of times. The first time was when I was 21. And then again, when I was about 46.
0: Did they say that it was related to a virus?
1: They did not say.
0: But they said it was cancerous eventually. Yeah. And then after that? What happened with your uterus? You got heavy bleeding? Uh, Yeah,
1: I just was having like heavy bleeding. So he just recommended that they take my uterus out,
0: which At I what did age? not really want to do. At what At age? At 40,
1: 47.
0: How tall were you and how much did you weigh before that?
1: Um, I am 5'8", and I weighed probably 150.
0: And then after now, how much do you weigh?
1: I, I weigh 167.
0: So, you felt like somebody who before this before the hysterectomy, before that event, felt like a strawberry blonde who was somewhat s- felt, and then after that, it really changed your body metabolism. Is that correct?
1: Yes, I think so. What
0: is your skin like
1: my skin it's i feel like it's changed my skin for sure. My skin is dry and rough like a, a, I don't have acne, but it just isn't soft anymore.
0: Okay. And before this happened, you were always a little on the nervous side. And you did certain things to make it better, which I'll get into a second, that might have affected your lungs. But then after you had the hysterectomy, it got much worse. And as a result, you might have medicated the nervousness because of changes of progesterone with either carbohydrates or something you drank or smoked. Have you ever smoked something?
1: Well, I mean, I've smoked, yeah.
0: That's it. The the, mmm. I smoked mmm. How much have you smoked mmm?
1: Well, I I don't smoke much anymore because I started having major panic attacks when I would smoke. It was doing the opposite.
0: Oh, how long did it make you calm?
1: It made me calm for years. Right, but it was around that same time that I started having major panic attacks. It actually that it was stopped,
0: right it stopped it was calming cancer. you down. So you did smoke. How many years did you smoke uh, marijuana?
1: Uh, I probably well, I smoked when I had cancer, which
0: was 29
1: years ago, and then I didn't smoke again until about 2008
0: or 9. You have to be very careful of your lungs. There's something about your lungs that you just have to keep checking them with a primary care doctor. I'm going to get back to your chest wall in a second. Because that's fourth center, and that has to do with grief. What was your your mother like?
1: Mm -hmm. Pretty absent.
0: Right. I described someone who had some kind of mood problem who basically couldn't handle young kids. Yeah. Why was she absent?
1: Uh well my parents got divorced when I was 7 and she said she felt like it was time for her to just live her own life. So that's what she did. And
0: she worked So when a you lot. say she lived her own life, that meant she did what?
1: She just she just worked a lot and drank a lot, went out a lot. She you know, she just wasn't really aware of me.
0: So she did, she led an adult life as if she were a single woman and really didn't have time for kids. Right. That's an but example. Kids of, love her. I know that's not the point. Okay. That's an example of when she went through a divorce, it felt like things were falling apart. And what she tried to do to stay sane. Was do those things work, mm-hmm. drink, go out. Do you see that? She yeah. ran away. That was what that whole monologue was at the beginning. When you run away, you leave your home behind. And you leave your home to somebody else who has to go through your things. Often enough, sometimes a parent sees things are falling apart and to stay sane, they kind of leave. They don't leave just to go to like India or a yurt or something. They leave emotionally or they work all the time. Now do you see what I'm saying? It's not just taking up and leaving or dying. It's simply leaving. As a result, you leave your house to your kids. You leave your kids alone in the house. To be responsible for all that stuff. They may end up doing all the cooking and the cleaning or the dirty laundry and everything. Now do you get it? That's grief. That's fourth center. And puberty goes forward, but menopause is backwards. So menopause is like puberty in reverse. So a lot of the mood things that come up in puberty come up again in menopause. And that's fourth center, and it has to do with mother and daughters. Do you understand? Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever have children?
1: Yes, I have three.
0: How old are they?
1: I have twins that are 31, and um, a boy who's 24.
0: How far away do they live?
1: Um, fairly close. One's three hours away. The others are within 30 minutes.
0: Did you divorce their father? I did. How old were they when they divorced? You divorced their father.
1: Well, the girl's that I had them when I was in high school, um, and Drew was actually seven when his dad and I got divorced.
0: Did he stay with you, or did he live with his father?
1: He stayed with me at first, and then he lived with his father, and then he came back and lived
0: with me. How long did he live with his father? What ages?
1: He lived with him um, from third grade to junior high.
0: Did that bother you?
1: It drew, Yeah, it drove me crazy, but it's what he wanted, so I thought I had to let him do it.
0: Did that remind you of what was going on when you were growing up?
1: Uh, y- yeah, in a lot of ways, of course. I mean, I hated letting him go. I didn't want him to think I didn't want him at, at all.
0: That's a big That's- deal. Mm-hmm. And now you're so young. You're so young at 49, and your kids don't seem to be near you. I can't see them.
1: I. I do feel a distance with my kids, which is interesting. And I feel like I'm going through, it's, this is such an interesting conversation because I do feel like I'm in some kind of grieving process for myself. That's on your something. chest.
0: That's in your chest. And I don't know why that is because I couldn't even see your kids. It didn't feel like you had kids. That's an oh. important thing because now that you're a heart in a box, now with all the business of life taken away from you, you can, your feelings of grief can come to the surface. Yeah. And a lot of people don't realize that sometimes, because of the pandemic, they're shut in with their partner. And because they're isolated with their emotions, like what you're experiencing, sometimes it's really hard on the person, not to mention they're going through their thing. Right. So that's a problem. And suffice it to say that feels like all of that, not to mention the violation that went on in your pelvis with the cervix and the uterus, that trauma there, all mm-hmm. lays down for problems with panic and anxiety. You know what I mean by trauma, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What happened?
1: I it was I was just awful. <laughs>
0: Let me say it another way. There's a woman named Gloria Bachman. She talks about people who've had physical tragedy. That the memory doesn't just get laid down in your brain. It also influences the tissue, the immune system locally, and the tissue of the vagina, the cervix, and the uterus. Are you following me? Yeah. So I don't know what happened, and it's good that you're not talking about it. But you have to have somebody debrief you. One of the things, and I t- I mean I'll tell you what I mean by debrief. One of the things they do to help a person with PTSD is after they've had that in the service, when they come back, they talk about it for a short period of time before they re-enter society. And the reason they do that is because they're less likely to progress into a real problem with trauma Mm -hmm. and panic and stuff. If the person already had a problem with anxiety, it can make it worse. Otherwise, the person can isolate themselves. And when they get themselves into another anxiety-provoking situation like COVID, they can deteriorate. Do you get it? Yeah. Thus, if you've been in one car accident, the next time you've gotten hit, it's very anxiety-provoking. Or even if you sound, if you hear cars screeching. So your yeah. body is very hyper vigilant to anything in the pelvis. And a perception of a lack of support. Not to mention the fact that changes in estrogen and progesterone make you raw and make the last ways in which you handle this less available. So this is a time to not use, I'm glad, um, cannabis, Because it can make you paranoid in your particular case. And so can, in some cases, people with your problem, bioidentical progesterone can make a person very paranoid. Are you following me? Yeah. And in some people, bioidentical estrogen can make them extremely depressed. So in this situation, you might want to talk to someone about taking serotonin, 5-HTP, rhodiola, or even some other types. Not to mention DHA, a thousand milligrams, three times a day um, or other supplements. But also work with somebody who knows how to work with people who've had trauma. Because a lot of people who've had trauma in the past, now the pandemic is putting them over the edge. And every decade, there'll be another tragedy that will put those people over the edge. I remember, it's not funny, but it's funny. I remember like, I can't remember when Lady Diana died. I think it was in the 80s. I think so. All I know is when she died or sometime around that time, I think I was in the unit doing some kind of medical school or something. And everybody in the psych unit was regressing they were really getting sick and the reason why was they were traumatized they were they were revisiting the trauma in their own life because many of them identified with lady diana that she felt her family didn't listen to her That she felt vulnerable she had an eating disorder and so on and so on are you following me not to mention the fact that she Uh, felt betrayed by her family yeah without You understand? Yes, I understand. It's it's, hitting
1: home so vividly.
0: I'm sorry, say that again?
1: It's hitting home for me so vividly. It's absolutely... So
0: people will say, I think it's the COVID. It isn't. It's that each Mm -hmm. time you're... They used to call it shell-shocked. shell shock in World War II literally was a blast injury to the brain, meaning that the vibration injured the nerves. However, we now know that people with years of PTSD, and it sounds like in your family, when your mother was, oh, I don't know, running away <laughs> and leaving you with a home and a list, if you will. How old were you at that time? Seven. Yeah, nice. Nice. Yeah. Um, without a babysitter.
1: Well, my sister would be home sometimes and we
0: just, you know, well, oh, and I,
1: I would be babysitting a lot. Okay, but is, you, were, no, you
0: were, I know you were seven. I feel very convinced. Yeah. So my point yeah. is, is that in every era, there will be something that pushes you over the edge. It will be nonspecific. There was Lady Diana, there'll be the pandemic, and then there'll be another one and another one and another one. And after World War Two, it was shell shock. Now we know that people with PTSD They have white matter changes and they have a change in their amygdala that makes them prone to, wait for it, anxiety and irritability. And some women, rather than get angry and they're afraid they'll beat their kids or hit their kids or act out at their kids, they don't want to do that. So they go out and they drink.
1: Mm
0: Do you understand?
1: I do. How do you fix that? Well, that's...
0: You might want to consider going to DBT, D as in dog, B as in boy, T as in tomahawk, because at times noise will bother you. Because your temporal lobe is dominant, it's for noise and sight and sound. So if you're really stressed, if things feel like they're falling apart, the cats will scream. You'll like lose it. Those birds that are screaming outside, <laughs> you'll yeah. hear like they're like be monster birds. <laughs> that weed whacker that i taught was I, I said earlier was like life when you're about to lose it it will feel like satan
1: <laughs> uh-huh 100 you know yes
0: and it's like yes. you'll think that it was designed to torture menopausal women it's like <laughs> it's really it's really unbelievable it's because your brain has been altered and then the added benefit of removing estrogen and progesterone just that adds that added benefit of where you think you're absolutely going to lose it. So one of the things that help is really does DHA, 1,000 milligrams, and t- okay. so do some Chinese herbs like Rehmannia and others that are for liver fire rising. Really helpful. Okay. Liver fire rising. But the other thing are some mood stabilizers that Western Medicine has. They can really help because you'll try very hard to not lose you know, your nerve. Because you don't want to scream at a cat who's just asking for some friskies for the 19th time. No, Tammy. No, Tammy. No, Tammy. (laughs) You want to scream. It's a good day to lose a tail. And you feel terrible because you love Tammy or you love whoever (laughs) your particular Tammy is. Her name is Tammy Wynette. I mean, come on. How can you get angry at a Tammy Wynette? And she'll look at you plaintively like, why, why, why are you yelling? And you'll feel awful or your kid will do that. When really, it's just you're on your last nerve because things are falling apart. DBT, people hear me say this all the time, and they're like, again with the DBT. DBT really helps you regulate your mood. It helps you balance awareness of your feelings with your thoughts. I love the fact that your partner was saying, you're so emotional. These are just thoughts. Well, in DBT, you balance right brain emotional mind with left brain thinking mind. If you think all the time, that's not good. If you feel all the time, that's not good. You have to do both. So him thinking mm-hmm. about all the facts and going on the web all the time, that's not helpful. That's not necessarily a fly a flying away from a torture chamber chamber. One can torture oneself, plunge in oneself with facts. Alternately, hanging out in terror isn't helpful either. We need two, two, two parts of our brain at once balancing awareness of emotional mind and thinking mind that's wise mind and it's based on tick not Han mindfulness and that you can get someone to teach you dbt d as in dog b as in boy t as in tomahawk you go to okay. www behavioral like behavior with a l uh-huh. on the end behavioral tech T-E-C-H.com. yes it's been used for people with ptsd it's been used for people with epilepsy for god's sakes but it's also been used for people with bipolar two and a variety of personality disorders. It's also been used for people who who um, have suicidal thoughts and so on. So if it, it's used for many people who want to just feel like how to keep themselves together when things are falling apart. That can be very helpful. Okay. Um, okay. How often do you go out of the house?
1: I go out of the house often. I mean, I I pretty much live almost a normal life in that regard. I'm a professional wedding officiant, so I am officiating weddings. And,
0: Are you, you serious? Know, yeah. Your business must be brisk. <laughs> <laughs> it's Is a it? little, it's
1: crazy. It's either nothing or everyone's
0: getting married the next two weeks. Yes, know, they are, because they've got to beat that uh, surge. Yeah, yeah. Wow, so you are an officiate. Yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Interesting, right? And a premarital coach.
0: <laughs> You're a premarital coach, but yet you yeah. can't handle your partner. You know, that's very common. Yeah. The cobblers, I'm, yeah. children have no shoes. Often matchmakers cannot figure out how to have a partner. It does not surprise me. My mother used to put on weddings, And I can tell you the things I used to see during a wedding would make your toes curl. I'm sure you've seen similar. No, you understand? I once had to hide myself upstairs where people were, during the wedding reception, taking the tables and throwing them against the wall. Oh my God. It was unbelievable. I called the police, and the people who were doing this looked upstairs, saw me looking out the window, and went, I know who did it. She called the police. Let's go and get her. I was terrified. Anyway, I know how to keep safe while things are falling apart. I've done it for years, and hopefully I'll do it for years to come. And if you can keep your wits about you, Missy, in the middle of weddings, all kinds of things happen. And you know it, don't you? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You say calmly. You know exactly what I've had. I've had people who are from... Well, somewhere else, uh, sleeping in the back pew of the church before a wedding and snoring. And they had to be like escorted out, but they were semi-unconscious. I've had all kinds of things. A monsoon and the bride had ordered balloons. How do you put balloons out when it's a monsoon with rain (laughs) and wind? No, I mean, I can't tell you. And these are things when you learn to keep pieces together.
1: Yeah, it's amazing.
0: So especially if you've grown up. In a chaotic mm-hmm. environment. So of all the people who know how to keep pieces together, it be you.
1: It is. I do. I just so, tired.
0: No. I think that that is very interesting. And hopefully you will find the love of your life. I suggest you get a matchmaker. <laughs> if it's not your partner, I would give him notice. I would say, you know what? I am actively interviewing. (laughs) (laughs) I suggest we either go into Zoom counseling or I'm going to get a matchmaker and I'm going to go to a cognitive behavioral therapy and I'm going to have her look at my thought patterns of what I think is a good partner because apparently I'm a little off in that department and then I'm going to have people be fixed with me and I'm going to, look at my thought patterns of how I think about them. And if I keep saying they're not my type, I'm going to know that my type doesn't work for me. I'm going to work on my type. Good luck. You take it easy. Thank you so much. I want to thank you for welcoming me into your day. You've been listening to Healthy Living Intuitively. I'm Dr. Mona Lisa. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
1: Hello, I'm Dr. Stephen Farber, and I am an author, teacher, psychotherapist, and shamanic practitioner. On my podcast, Healing for Your Soul,